0: You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast with Mike Chappell
1: and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 podcast studio, welcome to the Colts Blue Zone podcast alongside Mike Chappell and Matt Adams. I'm Dave Griffiths. So glad to have you along as the NFL offseason is finally here. There is no game to talk about anymore, but... Boy, there's a whole lot else that we're going to dive into over the coming weeks, over the coming months before football returns again in, uh, in late summer, early fall, whatever you have it, whatever your real first uh, uh, foray into uh, real games, real games, quote unquote, I say. Uh, with very much quotation marks on them, but 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 for now, so much behind the scenes. Before we get to that, uh, we'll talk about the Super Bowl, of course, from this past weekend. Um, but but I want to begin with with the big news for the Colts this week. Breaking news. Let's go. Ba, 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 ba. Anthony Richardson, eight weeks post-op, is throwing once again. We saw a picture or a video of him throwing. From his agent tweeted out on Twitter, um, his agent Derek Jackson, D E I R I C Jackson, posted a four-second video showing Richardson just throwing a football, bare feet out on the field. Tony Brown would be proud with his bare feet out there. But, uh, but Chap, uh, I, I guess uh, Richardson always talked about wanting to, to push the envelope, but this is pretty much right on time for, for what the Colts had always told us, what he had told us, what doctors had suspected. Eight weeks post up, he's back on the field throwing a football.
2: Yeah, you, you, you can't get overly excited, but but you do get excited because it's that next box you check off remember we talked to him at the end of the season, and he said, man, I'm super excited. He, he sort of said he's been pushing the envelope, and he said, I hope to be throwing next month, which, you know, here we are. He said, when I do, I'll start lighting it up. Well, he wasn't lighting it up on the video, but but it's that next step of, of throwing the ball, the arm motion, the mechanics, and they're going to take this. He doesn't need to be ready until June. Right. I mean, you, you want him ready earlier for, for most of the offseason work, which opens mid, mid-April. mid Late April is when you can start actually playing football on the field with, with players. But until you see the guy doing what he does, you've got a little bit of concern. So th- this is the next step, and, and I'm guessing in a, in a couple of weeks we'll see him out there with another video, which is one of the great things about mm-hmm. X or Twitter is and with agents. Who like to share is you're gonna we're gonna get sort of a timeline, right? And they're gonna show us when he starts zipping it, and it, it's just kind of cool to see that you know. Again, we've known, we've thought that he was ahead of schedule, and this shows that at
1: worst he's on schedule. Yeah, uh, excuse me, it's a little bit more than eight weeks. I, I think it's like a couple months is what what the timeline was. So that's, that's my mistake 24th there. Yeah twenty fourth was, was when the surgery was, was, was. Right. but this is this was like we we said back then, like when we talked to Richardson uh before Christmas. Uh, when he talked about trying to push the envelope, we were all saying, well, like he's still like it would be right after the Super Bowl is when, when throwing could begin. Right. That was when people were well, if the Colts make the playoffs, could Anthony Richardson? No, no, no. That's no. why he had the surgery. Exactly, right. So so, so. anyway, I just wanted to point out my own mistake there right off the top. But um, with, with any luck, Matt, the, the next video we see from from uh, his agent will be Anthony Richardson throwing a pass to the newly signed Michael Pittman Jr. somewhere that they're back on a field working together once again. Yeah, I was talking to, to one of my guys from – from from
0: the, the the digital team there here at fox 59 cbs4 and, and we were just talk kind of talking about anthony richardson's recovery and i'm like i'm just glad that the first video of him trying to throw a football wasn't him going oh boy i'm gonna see get on my knees here and see if i can throw it 80 yards right? no no it's just a nice soft toss mm-hmm. let's take it easy but hey four second video season saved right that
2: was a regulation football wasn't it? it wasn't it wasn't a nerf ball the duke
1: as andrew it, luck it looked would like say it. i
2: remember I, I can still go back how, how we were measuring his his advancement by what
1: size of football was he throwing? Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is, that that's why I think Colts fans are so interested in seeing Anthony Richardson throwing a football, because that is burned into my memory uh, about Andrew Luck's return there in 2018 and taking slowly, slowly, like watching him on the field throughout the entire offseason never throwing a football, just having it in his hand. Is he going to throw it now? Is he going to throw it now? And then that that like final day of, of minicamp, I think it was, in, in June, I remember seeing him go out and just, just – like, like it was nothing, just boop, just throwing
2: it. Like, oh, nice. Because we had no idea what they were doing behind the scenes. Right. It's like when you see guys during the season rehabbing and you don't know where they are and can they come right back. We don't see what they do. 5 days a week maybe 7 days a week with trainers and the the really hard stuff so again any any sign any video the, the proof of life type stuff of a quarterback doing
1: what he does is encouraging. So yay, Anthony Richardson. I, well, mean, I, I would again. have been
0: fine even if it was just him doing the little elastic band right. uh, arm strengthening exercise just to just to let us know things are going well. But goodies, He's tossing a little bit. It's good okay. stuff.
1: We'll, we'll touch on one more thing Colts related before we get to the Super Bowl recap, and that is uh, Rusty Jones has retired after 34 years in the NFL. He spent the last six seasons here in Indianapolis with the Colts as the director of sports performance. He's been responsible for conditioning and nutrition really a a building block chap that that gets no attention from us on on the regular but one that's certainly important when it comes to the players being at their best on Sundays
2: yeah he's involved in I guess you call the preventative work of of nutrition and conditioning I remember uh, Joel Erickson mentioned in a story of his that when Anthony Constanza was having issues and they tried to do this that and the other well Rusty came up and thought it was more of a it was like hip issues and so they worked on that and then ac was fine Mm -hmm. so yeah it's it's those guys that you you get the the fan base has very little in or clue about and these are the guys that when they do their job right you see that by guys being ready to play you're going to have injuries because it's a nasty sport it's a collision sport but but this this is this is where it helps guys be as prepared as you can for, you know, these daily car accidents they're in.
1: All right. So uh, congratulations to Rusty on a 34-year career in the NFL and uh, best of luck to, to him in retirement. Colts will have to go out and uh, look for someone else. And you can read up online, follow Chap on Twitter, at mchapel51. You can read his work at fox59.com, cbs4indy.com. And I'm sure that we'll have uh, a story or at least a mention of who the Colts hire uh, online there uh, as well. Matt Adams at Statomatty. I'm Dave Griffiths at DaveG underscore sports. The Super Bowl is in the past. The Kansas City Chiefs beat the 49ers in overtime 25-22. Put on your tinfoil caps, guys, because Taylor Swift, once again, is the champion. And that that means uh, all, all the things that, that the people on Twitter, Matt is like rolling his eyes. Because those are the people that Matt sometimes deals with and, and the people uh, in our fine web team who have to... Work the uh, the the Fox fifty nine Twitter account or and uh, all that, but uh, but that's, let's uh, we we don't we don't need to discuss any of that. We'll just brush it under the uh, under the the bed and move along. But I, I thought that the first half was one of the most boring games of football I had ever seen, and then it got interesting finally there in the fourth quarter, and and, and Patrick Mahomes once again down by ten in the Super Bowl. Why do people bet against? him? I don't know. Like,
2: I, I I really don't. I don't care if he if he's out there with.
1: You know, just a bunch of rum mm-hmm. He's at that point. Like it was the, what what we did here when we talked about the AFC Championship. I said I think Baltimore's the better team, but I don't know if I should bet against Patrick yep. Mahomes. I think Frisco is a better team. Yeah, top to bottom. But Patrick Mahomes, once again, it was like I saw somebody tweeted this stat out, um, and I wish I remember who it was. But of the games of like all the games over the past. Um, I think it's even the playoff games over the past X number of years, like a couple decades or so there's been, I don't know, 200 chances or something like that in either the fourth quarter or beyond. So fourth quarter and overtime for a quarterback who was down by seven to drive, like to get the ball. And then you can drive to, to take the lead with a touchdown with a touchdown, like you're down, whatever, and you take the lead. And most, quarterbacks even good quarterbacks like tom brady was something like 40 percent in his drive It was like five of 11 or something and patrick mahomes out of all the quarterbacks in this list was a perfect seven for seven in the playoffs when he was down x number of points in the Didn't fourth quarter or overtime 10 point
2: deficits in the playoffs this year every game
1: i know that he's been in a 10 point deficit in every super bowl he's played in. okay but i don't know about every playoff game this year that's possible too baltimore may not have been i don't, right. I don't, I don't remember but, but again it's, but, it's, but it's, it speaks to like it speaks to his inevitability like it it see, he is at that level now that that tom brady was in sorry colts fans to bring up a uh, public enemy number 1 but it's the truth he is at that point where betting against him is foolishness because you see it time and time again, he finds a way. The Chiefs find a way. They find the right call. They find the right player to hit. Fourth and, and one, and, and he comes keeps down it to and homes. he scores,
2: and, and and it converts, or the game's over. It's always about you know put the ball. And hey, how the about hand- that though? Yes, go go ahead, continue. Put, put the ball in the hands of your best player. Yep. And and if it doesn't work well, okay. But but yes. he had our game. I go back and I'll harp on it. The, the fourth and two. Against Houston. Mm-hmm. The Colts really didn't have the best guy to have the ball in the hands of with Minshew and then throw into to mm-hmm. Goodson. Yes. Uh, but this is where you say, this is our guy, mm-hmm. and and that, that's, what, that's what great teams and great quarterbacks do.
1: That play was the perfect example of keeping your best player, like giving the ball to your best player. And it, it's such a contrast to what the Colts did, having Jonathan Taylor on the sidelines. A average fan might look at that play, and they might call it an RPO. That was not an RPO. That was just a play-action fake. There was no run option there. He was there. keeping that from the yes. snap. And it's obvious because of the way Pacheco takes off, and I believe it was Pacheco there in the backfield with him, because he like barely put his hands up to look for the ball. He just started sprinting to that sideline. Like There was no, no action from him that was going to take that ball. Mahomes was going to have that ball, period. And that's what you do. You put it in your best player's hands. And who's your other best player? Travis Kelsey, Travis your Kelsey. other first round, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer. There, he slides out just on a quick like, run to the sideline, and the linebacker goes with him. And so that was your option right there. Either hit Kelsey if the linebacker goes with uh, linebacker stays on Mahomes, or take it yourself if you're Mahomes. Like and and you put the decision in his hands because he's your best player, and Kelsey's your other best player. Pacheco was never an option. Those were the two right there that it was going to be. And, and he ran for, I don't know, six yards or whatever. And he could have probably pushed it longer. Fortunately, he didn't. He went down he slid. By the way, I tweeted this out uh, se- separately. Matt's already laughing, but but the, uh, the streakers or the half-streakers who came onto the field who were sliding, Anthony Richardson could learn maybe a thing or two about, about sliding from, from those guys or from Patrick Mahomes uh, in that, on that final fourth-and-one drive. But, but, but I needed to get that off my chest. That, that, that was a perfect example of having your best players on the field, having a call for your best players, to put it in their hands. I know Shane Steichen had a good call. Like, it's evident because Goodson was open. Like, it, it's the the play was there. It worked. But there's there's something to be said about having the call right and also having your best players in the position to make the plays, not the guy, well, we trust everyone on the roster. Okay, good for you. You trust we, everyone we on the roster. We practice that all week. Good, good, good for you. <laughs> Have your best player out there ready to make the play when the season's on the line.
2: And, and that's why, and we'll mention it, we've mentioned in the past and going forward, that's what an Anthony Richardson does for you he gives you he's not even remotely in the same neighborhood as Mahomes but what he can do on the edge of the stress remember what Chris Ballard told us he said defenses play you differently and when that quarterback who has that ability to stress a defense what he can do that that's what you know it's it's the top five or six quarterbacks the Allens and the Jackson and the Mahomes, it just gives you that. And more times than not, that quarter he only had to get a yard. And let's say that the defense played that perfectly against Richardson. He's big enough. He just may lower the shoulder and get the yard. Where Mahomes, he wasn't touched until he slid for the most part. But that's why it's really, again, I go back to anyone who, who bets against Mahomes. When the Niners kicked the field goal, I thought the game was over. I just figured Mahomes, because what people, and we can get into the overtime decision and all that, but once on the second possession, you're facing the most clutch quarterback in the game today, and he gets four downs. Every, everything is a four-down series. So it, it's just uh, – it, it was amazing, and anyone who was surprised by Mahomes just hasn't been paying attention.
0: Yeah. Once the 49ers – I think it was a third and four that they had to convert before they kicked the field goal. Once that play just got blown up and, and didn't go anywhere, I'm like, this. I think this this game's over. Because mm-hmm. there there is no chance to me, like you said, with Mahomes, they're going to go for it on fourth down every time. There is no way they're not going to be able to – pick up those fourth downs and get down the field and get into scoring position. Just
1: no way. And at the end of regulation, when uh, San Francisco was ahead and the got the ball to make the drive for the uh, tying field goal. Like they had, they had ages on the clock. I forget what, but, but it was probably like, it was less than two minutes. I'm pretty sure. But but when Mahomes has 12 seconds and beats the Buffalo Bills uh, a couple years right. ago, like, there is no time limit that no. is too small for him. It's, it's ludicrous what, what we now expect of him, but he always delivers. It's because he's done it, and he keeps doing it. And he did it again here on the biggest stage. So, it's the uh, third Super Bowl championship for the Kansas City Chiefs in the last five years. Uh, that is when you get three, Chap, in that time frame. That that, that puts you in the dynasty. In the dynasty, uh, it puts in you dynasty Patriots, mode. Uh, the
2: right. Cowboys back. Uh, right. Pittsburgh. Did Pittsburgh win four in five or four and six? Because they went back
1: to back twice. To, and yes. And then, yeah. 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 Sorry. Go ahead. Right. 49ers so in the
2: 80s. That's, you know, and I guess I thought someone had won three in a row. I thought maybe. Dallas did, but no. I mean, so, so yeah, there was this a gap. Is, and it, it is just the whole system is built to where this doesn't happen. Salary caps and players moving and injuries, it's not supposed to happen, but when you got the special player, when you got the special player, he makes all things possible. Mm-hmm.
1: Special coach there, too. Andy Reid has had a complete resurgence in Kansas City, obviously, from his time in Philadelphia. That, of course, I remember growing up uh, in, in Philly. As remember an all fan. the criticism Andy got? It was very much justified at the time. I understand. Let me, yes. But, but let me all, say. all he did was get him to. Four, or five. four straight NFC championships, right. and then got them to the Super Bowl. Yeah, couldn't where, get over the hump. Exactly, but right. well, well, it was after that. Like that, that wasn't the problem that you can't get over the hump. Like, there were there were problems after that that I don't need to get into right. because, like, this this is not a Philadelphia Eagles mid two thousands podcast. But which, but which I, so I, much I, think, I think I could anchor pretty the, well. There's so but.
2: much criticism now on on the Niners that that and Shanahan. Well, he can't win the big game. Well, he, you know, he, he he won a lot of big games to get to the biggest game, and did I see right that? that Andy Reid won his first Super Bowl in
1: his 21st season? I think that might be correct because he had a bunch in Philly and right. he just never won the Super Bowl. And then a couple in Kansas City before he got there, yeah. Uh,
2: they, uh, I believe Andy was on the sidelines when the Chiefs led the Colts 38-10 to mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Yep. And that special quarterback mm-hmm. did things you're not supposed to do. Right. So it, it, it's, you know, like with Shanahan choosing to, to, to take the ball, it, it was the wrong decision because it didn't work out. Right. And I thought the one flaw in his reasoning, well, we wanted to get the ball third. You weren't guaranteed to get the ball third. Would Andy Reid have, had it been touchdown to touchdown, would he have gone for two?
1: It's a good question.
2: Because if you don't go for two to win it, then a field
0: goal,
1: did a field goal, you. Bishop. Right, right.
2: And field goals were, were there, were there 350 yarders? Yeah, they mm-hmm. kept breaking moved, their Super yeah. Bowl record, yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. It, it's but whenever whenever it doesn't work when when fourth and two doesn't work with the Colts, do something else. And when when you know taking the ball to start overtime doesn't work, do the other thing. So, but t- it was an amazing game, and uh, I, I did see that Taylor Swift was shown eleven times. Mm-hmm. It was for only fifty four seconds out of four hours. Exactly. I thought it was so crazy over the top crazy how people got bent out of shape bent out of shape and she's a distraction and a bull <laughs> I mean yes it was annoying but come on it was you know too I don't tune in for announcers I don't not tune in because of the announcers I don't people don't go to the game hoping that they can catch a glimpse of Taylor Swift in a suite that they'll never get near Mhm just it's just crazy
0: it, it, this is a complete tangent but yeah. Jim Nance and Tony Romo, I, I read a lot of uh, think pieces after the Super Bowl, uh, just railing against those guys as the worst announcers on the face of the planet. And I I, I just, I don't know. I, the thing that, that
2: I was upset about, irritated about, is I didn't know what would have happened logistically if... Kansas City doesn't score on
0: that pass, and it go yes. and, and it hits
2: triple zeros.
0: Yes, they they did not do a good job of, of explaining some of the more expansive parts Beca- of because the overtime. Because apparently, roles. and
2: again, I I just I've not looked into it because it's not been a factor. But it, it's as as the ref said, it's we're playing a second game. Right. So the first overtime was a quarter, and it just would have gone into the second quarter. Right. But they never told you that, and. I, I thought the fact that some Niners said they didn't understand the rules or whatever. So what? As long as, long as the coaches knew, I mean, it's, it's a bad look, I guess, that your players didn't know what was going on. I, was, was it McNabb said he didn't know games? Didn't know games could end in a tie. It was yeah. Donovan McNabb. Yes. Yeah. So, but but yeah, it was just. Tell tell me what the rules are when because we're down two minutes, a minute, a half a minute. What happens if the time runs out?
0: Yeah, and you don't. You didn't see the urgency from. The, the chiefs like because they knew d- downing the ball right. you know and you're like cuz you're thinking like but if the clock runs out is right. it, is is this over do we do we, and, do and we have
2: another coin flip right so that that's what they had they just never they never cleared that up i don't think mm-hmm. so but that's just
1: yeah my, my only my only gripe I'll say my one gripe ab- about it like I really like Tony Tony Romo I, I find him to be educational I find him to be having fun. I'm a fan of people having fun. That's why I'm a fan of Taylor Swift going to these games She's a girl. Who has a boy and, and she's watching him and they're they're enjoying and themselves. she's young, like, got money, like, got yeah, love. L- you. Let, let them have some fun. It's cool. Right. And I have I have no problem with it. But and that's like Tony Romo has fun when he broadcasts football games. It very much comes across in the way he does it. But I thought the winning call, he just talked too much. I, I yeah. think he should have let it breathe a little bit. That's maybe just me as a broadcaster, myself a little bit, um, just kind of with a little. The yeah. semantics. Let, let the, the like, crowd noise take over. Exactly. Let, let,
0: the, let the players hug each other. And, Sometimes and
1: just, that's the best. Yeah. The best
2: commentary is you right. just shut up.
1: Right. And, and but so so that's my that's my only gripe. And but I would not I would not bring my criticism of him to too much further than that. I thought he's great. Nance is solid as always. Um, there there are a lot of really good broadcasters uh, in in. in in football, and and those guys are one of them. That that team is. Yeah, undeniable. I just wondered
0: what you guys thought because I had seen a couple of yeah. uh, big national publications talk about how yeah. Tony Romo and Jim Nance ruined the Super Bowl and, and get out. I, get out. I, I was like, I don't know that they ruined it. Now they could have done some things better. I, I think anybody could
1: acknowledge that, which you know Dave talked about. Yeah. So so anyway, that's. That's Super Bowl 58. Uh, Super Bowl 59 will be in Louisiana at New Orleans next year. Uh, They know how to put on a Super Bowl. They do. Because you know it's New Orleans. Exactly. And I believe Mardi Gras is is the same week down there. So I'm sure there won't be uh, too many people. It won't be very packed at all. No, not at all. Nobody will go to that
2: one. I've covered a Super Bowl in New Orleans. And when you get your work done at the end of the week, it's a long week. And then you go down to Bourbon Street on Saturday night before the Super Bowl, and it's like it's gotta kind of be like Times Square mm-hmm. on New Year's Eve, and maybe I've mentioned it before. You go wherever the crowd goes. Yep, you're sort of body surfing <laughs> horizontally, and it's unbelievable. And but they'll, they'll do, Indy did did it better, but Indy doesn't have
1: Bourbon Street, Bourbon Street, right. and all that
2: stuff. So you know, I don't think Indy'll ever get it again. But they're talking now about. Vegas being in that rotation.
0: yeah, It, it has it to sounds be. like it got high marks from a lot of Which people. Which is
2: incredible. Mm-hmm. It has to be. To where they've come from about Tony Romo wasn't allowed to be at a – was it a card show at a casino? Like a fantasy football thing, yeah. I thought it was. Because it was in a casino. Yeah. And, and, and the, that was 10 years ago. In New Orleans, uh, the Superdome is, I believe it's Caesars Superdome. So w- yes. w- we're, we're we're in gambling – forever and uh but so that's just another tangent
1: all right well, well let's uh let's divert our attention back to the indianapolis colts and our off-season coverage of the team we're exploring the tight ends offensive line and secondary today here on the colts blue zone podcast for the next 40 minutes or so and i believe it would be would, would make sense to begin uh talking about tight ends since we've spoken a little bit about travis kelsey already and his impact uh, on this game and on that fourth down play in particular but you look right across the field and you see the all-Pro first team tight end who played for the San Francisco 49ers George Kittle who did not have a very good game they didn't find ways to get him involved uh, for for whatever reason whether that's um, whether that's the Chiefs which probably is in part uh, or or San Francisco trying to do other things but 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 you look at the um, at the top tight ends from the NFL this year in terms of their performance uh, George Kittle Travis Kelsey uh, let's see Sam Laporta uh, uh, David Njoku, four for the top six tight ends; those teams all made the playoffs, um, which should not be surprising. It's an important position, and these guys have been uh, were very productive. The other two, uh, Evan Ingram of Jacksonville. Uh, Matt, we were talking before, saying probably should have been in yeah, the playoffs. Yeah, yep. I,
0: I actually had it in the show notes. I changed it right before the show. Five of the six right. made the playoffs because, in my mind, the Jacksonville Jaguars were in the
1: playoffs, sure but they been. weren't. Nope. Now, T.J. Hawkinson, the other one, in, in terms of his production this and, and year. And they
0: were, they were in the race there until mm-hmm. the very end there, but uh, they had some tough luck in Minnesota, of yeah, course.
1: Most of these guys a uh, 90-plus catches or so and 900-plus uh, yards. That's kind of the, the, the range of these top guys. George Kittle actually only had 65 catches this entire year but had more than 1,000 yards. He was the only tight end here to, to eclipse uh, 1,000 yards, it looks like. Um, well, e- e- yes, excuse me. Um, yeah, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, yeah Kittle, yeah. Kittle was, was the only one to eclipse 1,000 yards. Sorry, I was reading as I was talking, and sometimes that's not the best. Not, uh, not, not always the best policy. I- exactly. But, but all that to say, this is an important position, uh, and the best teams – and you can throw Baltimore in that mix with Mark, uh, Andrews. With Mark mm-hmm. Andrews, exactly. He just got hurt, and that's why he's not listed in this this top this top group. This is an important position. Uh, you look at other teams in the in the NFC. The Eagles have Dallas Goddard, who is really important uh, to their success. The, the Houston Texans signed Dalton Schultz this past offseason, who was important to their success, not at the same level as, as these other guys, but, but having a productive, reliable, and in some ways explosive tight end it seems to be a, a differentiating factor from the best teams in the league. They they all have that option. It doesn't mean that other teams that aren't good teams don't have good tight ends, too. But all these teams that are good teams, Chap, have this option to have a dynamic playmaker at the tight end position.
2: And I think that, and in, in Matt's got it on our, our, our list, I think that's going to be a target of, of the Colts. You, you, you need to have that guy. And the Colts have tried to find that guy through mid-round draft picks uh, with, with, you know, going uh, back to 2012, and they they weren't mid-rounds. It it was Fleener and uh, Dwayne Allen, Allen. both second-round picks. picks. And for a short time, they were pretty good. And then they lashed on to Jack Doyle, who wasn't a draft pick, and he had a heck of a career. So you just you just need that guy. And if you got people outside, you know, Chris Ballard talks about being more explosive. That can be either with the tight end himself or what that tight end does to draw coverage, and it opens up for other people. So I think we're going to see their best tight end next season is not here yet. I, I think whether it's in the draft, whether it's in free agency, I would probably rather in the draft. Uh, you know, Eric Ebron comes along once every. It's funny how we've joked. We, we went through the Eric Ebron era. We did. We, it we, was an era, and, and, <laughs> and it was short. Yes. Uh, but I, he, he just—he's such a that that guy is such a matchup nightmare. Mm-hmm. Size and speed, and any more, you know, whatever people used to think tight ends are, that's not what they are. You know, they're almost big receivers. They're, they're, they're 6'3", 6'4", 240, 250-pound receivers. If you get that guy, he can do so much to your offense. They
1: are freaks, and, and that's that's the, the proverbial term. And we know that Chris Ballard loves freaks, and we've seen some of those guys drafted, like like you mentioned, trying to take a stab on some guys in the middle rounds, like a Jelani Woods recently. Um, Drew Ogletree. Drew Ogletree recently. Um, and, and about Woods specifically, I mean, he, he went into college as a quarterback, and then they... Be- he became a tight end afterwards. So he's like, they're they're taking these guys that are freaks, but they are developmental guys at the same uh, time. Moali Cox I yes. mean, as a free agent. Yes.
2: But but when you get those guys as so called developmental guys, the problem a lot of times is the ceiling is a lot lower than what you had hoped it would be. Right. There's nothing wrong with Moali Cox.
1: No. At all. He's he, a professional fo- He's an NFL player. And, 100%. And he's just had another a, contract. And
2: he's. He will probably get us. He'll get another contract somewhere from somebody, not here. Probably not. I don't not. think. And Maybe he not. Probably won't be back next year. Mm-hmm. I think they can save. I don't know what it is. Three million dollars by cutting him. But he's had a great career for a guy who was a power forward. But it's just when you do that, the the, the mid round, late round picks, or or undrafted guys too often there's a ceiling that you hope they wouldn't reach
0: mm-hmm. what was it, eric swope from a few years ago that, yep. they, that God, they i, that I they still drafted. like eric swope yeah. in, in, was, injuries injuries yes. really doomed him because that guy had just the total package and, and you did see a high ceiling for him whatever a very good blocker and i didn't care no right didn't matter because that guy could make plays but unfortunately like i said injuries uh slowed down his career and, and then just never really uh, was never able to turn into that
1: solid uh, everyday player. I think they were hoping that Kylen Granson could become like Eric Swope. And, and as much as I like Kylan Granson, the person, wonderful guy to interview. He's a cheery dude. Uh, I loved his uh, his uh, what's it called? His photo shoot after his first touchdown <laughs> this year with yeah, his baby, the yeah. new no arrival in his family. Exactly. I just I just don't know if he, the, you can't count on him to to take his. Uh, production from 30 catches 368 yards and a touchdown to be one of these game-changing tight ends you you can't just plan out a season like oh yeah i think kyle's gonna make that jump to double all of his production and multiply his touchdowns by six and there, then there you go where our tight end our tight tight end uh, quandary is is answered you know look look at these guys will mallory a rookie who i like i liked will mallory But he only had 18 catches Do you see 60 catches a year from him? I I I don't know about that. Yeah, no, not right now, for sure. Mo Alley-Cox. Mo is what he is, like we kind of talked about already. You're not going to get anything more from him. You're not going to get anything less from him, though, either. He's a very good blocking Mm -hmm. tight end who can also make some catches here and there from time to time. Drew Ogletree, he's suspended. He's on the commissioner's exempt list right now. So I'm counting on nothing from Drew Ogletree. I I don't expect that he'll be
0: back. We'll we'll see, but you know we'll see how that all gets adjudicated
1: right and so you combine all those guys and they had 70 catches for 883 yards and six touchdowns that's basically one of these top tight ends like if you combine all of them together you you need one guy to to do right. all this and then you need other guys to be kind of just uh ancillary guys that that are uh, from time to time popping up there in your order and and obviously i think jelani woods is the ultimate wild card in this scenario I, I, the colts drafted him because they really like him and they drafted him i believe he was a third round I, pick yeah, I um, so. a couple years ago and uh and i i still believe that that his arm is intriguing that that could be a really interesting thing for uh for uh, for unique plays like we saw from the 49ers yeah, yeah, with yeah. Juwan Johnson uh, throwing a touchdown to Christian McCaffrey. the the fifth ranked by the way quarterback in that class. Back in, like, 2017, whenever it was. It? Yeah, he was. And he went to Tennessee. He was a quarterback recruit. Um, yeah, he was behind guys such as uh, Jared Stidham, I think, was was in that that class. Uh, so I think it was before. I think it might have been, like, 2015. I think it was a good while ago. Um, but but some guys in that class. So he, he, was, he was one of them. But anyway, all that to say, I, I think that that could be a really interesting way to use some of his talent. Because it is absolutely a talent of his. But after a completely lost season last year chap again you can't you can't rely on him to be like oh our tight end room is okay we've got Jelani woods coming back we've got kylan granson taking another step and will mallory too like you you can't just sit uh, uh, on this uh, on this group and and anticipate it, it, greatness out of them. Because, because you're going to build from within. Right. Right. Like, you like building from within, and that's cool. You like development, d- developing guys. And there's something to be said, like, a couple of years ago when Chris Bauer let guys like Danico Autry and Justin Houston go because they wanted to develop their defensive ends. Like, that's one strategy to do, to, to go with. But but in this scenario with the tight ends, it doesn't seem like that is the proper way to move forward because you haven't seen maybe the same potential on the field with this group that we had, we had seen with the defensive ends to, to kind of compare it to, to those two right. positions. Yeah.
2: S- sometimes the collective productivity is fine. You wanted more. Even from a collection, you wanted more than that. But they, the, the last time they've had a, a tight end with over 400 yards himself was 2019. With Jack Doyle. And, and you know, you, you just want that guy. You know, I'm not saying Dallas Clark that in 9 he had 100 catches for 1,100 yards, or Ebern in 2018 he had. Thirteen touchdowns. I mean, he 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 was a force. That, that, he, didn't he have a rushing
1: touchdown too? Yes. yes
2: he did. Yeah. Yes. And, and he reminded us. He reminded <laughs> us <of> that <laughs> what he reminded us. I don't. Yeah. Remember really. That all but the they, time. but they've had pro. You know, they've had Doyle was a two time pro bowler and Ebron. You, you need a guy who who at some point during the week the, the opposing coordinator says, yeah, and we gotta we gotta watch this guy down the seam or whatever. And if we're not careful, he'll do. And they don't have that. And, and to think that. You saw enough from Ballery. No, you didn't. I mean, you like what he's a complimentary tight end. The issue is going to be is is Jelani Woods. If and when you move on from Mo, is, can he be that blocking guy? I, I I I want that. I want my tight end to be receiver to be that guy that that can just just take the top off of a game. And the one thing that I just missed about Kelsey and like Kittle, they're pretty good. They're complete tight ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. They'll knock you on your butt. Uh, but you see these guys in all these games, and it's you're you're looking at guys making plays, and it's 84, it's 86, it's 87, it's a tight end doing things, and the Colts need that because the injuries and the suspension last year, you didn't even know who was going to be active, everybody was in and out of the lineup. They they need to find that guy. Do they do it in the draft? Will Bowers be there at 15? I don't know. Would would, would Ballard move up for a tight end? I don't know. Mm. Depends on the cost as always. It, yeah. It's all yeah. it's all yeah. And and then know. you've got Shane Steich and again, I still say that yes, the defense needs to be better. So much this year and even next year has to be about strengthening the supporting cast of the quarterback. It just does. Uh yes, re sign Michael Pittman or franchise, whatever, but then still add a, another receiver. I I want a veteran receiver. I don't want I don't want another young guy they've got young guys and then tight end and it looks like there's some decent tight ends in in the draft bowers is is it's funny how as the draft nears we're what about two months off Mm -hmm. right about now how all the analysts will be cutting down the quarterbacks they're gonna we're gonna be thinking these quarterbacks are awful (laughs) yet they're gonna be building up the tight ends and the corners and Mm -hmm. the tackles and by the time the draft gets here, Bowers is going to be a top five pick. And I've seen mm-hmm. some mock drafts he goes five to the Chargers. Yep. Which you don't you – don't. the last tight end taken, was it Pitts? Was he a, Kyle Pitts was eighth, was, I believe. Seventh or eighth, wasn't he? But, but again, these guys, you know, they took a guard sixth, which you just simply don't do. <laughs> but if you think that guy – remember in Philly didn't uh, – uh, and have Goddard? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if he had Ertz. Ertz might have been
1: gone. I think he might have had him for one year when but he that, was there. But that's
2: just, it's just, when you've got a guy as creative, you know, I thought, as we've talked about, that Steichen did some great things. Tenth in scoring w- with these guys, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Still boggles my mind it, it does. every time.
2: And just increase the talent level that he's got to work with and, and everything is going to be at his disposal to where he can do things regularly not not having to scheme so much. Yes, he's going to scheme. Sometimes players just make plays. Mahomes, you just make plays. Mm-hmm. And
1: get, give them another receiver and give them a tight end that can really do damage. Yeah, guys that can uh, that can look back on the quarterback and see when he's breaking out of the pocket, like Richardson's probably going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Put your can, hand up. Exactly. Yep. Can Run get away the from the linebacker and, and kind of do the scramble drill. And that's what Kelsey and Mahomes seem to be so good at. But that's something that comes with time as well. Like, you, you look yeah. at a guy... That, uh, that whoever, they, if they draft a guy, if, if it's a Bowers, let's just say, uh, that, that's, that's something I think that really does develop over time is when you see the quarterback breaking free, like, where, where does he want you? Where should you go? And uh, for the guys that are intermediate guys, guys like a Josh Downs as a wide receiver and a, and a tight end, any tight end, uh, you, you would imagine that that's, some, that's a strength that you would want. That's a skill that you would want uh, from, from whoever comes in uh, from that position. So uh, other, other players that are on the Colts uh, roster right now as tight ends include Jordan Murray, who was signed to the practice squad in September. Eric Tomlinson side to the practice squad on January second, and uh, and there you go. So so there's the tight end group. Period. Um, early mock drafts definitely have Bowers there as someone the Colts uh, could be looking at if he falls that far. But uh, your your best hope if you're the Colts is that people fall in love with the quarterbacks. Obviously, I've right. seen one draft where like five quarterbacks went top eight. Go ahead. Yeah. Yes. Do, do it. Knock, knock that yourself is do out. It. That is the best case scenario. If you're an Indianapolis Colts fan, all you see are,
2: are talent. This talent slipping down mm-hmm. to you, whether exactly. it's a tight end, whether it's a, whether mm-hmm. it's a corner. Or anybody.
1: Wh- right. Yeah. That's what happened with Malik Hooker uh, when he came to the Colts in 2015. He was a top 10 pick, and he was hurt. So that's why well, he was a top 10 talent, I should say. And he's still in the NFL now. He was with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, at least he has been. Um, and he developed, uh, a, a, he carved out a role for himself there. But but he was a he was a talent that slipped because uh, because of his injuries uh, in, in particular that year. But this year, talent might slip because of quarterbacks. One per, one team falls in love with Michael Penix Jr. <laughs> Boom, best best case scenario. One team falls in love with JJ McCarthy. <laughs> Let's go. He's in. One team falls in love he with Bo Nix.
2: I, I just didn't when I saw McCarthy play. I didn't see. I anything. didn't see top, a top ten, 10. quarterback. No, neither did I.
1: I just didn't like. He didn't do anything that to me that was all that dynamic. But again, like one team falls I'll in love. With him. That's all you need. It's no, all he needs. So Go ahead. What's the team? What's a player's value on the open market? It's whatever one team is willing to pay. Yep. Mm-hmm. We've we've seen that uh, in the past from here, from getting players and from uh, and from shipping them away. And if they do have
0: a big run on quarterbacks, then I do see the the big, big better possibility that maybe Ballard does trade up a little bit because if he only has to move up a few slots, then maybe he
2: will. But at the same time, he's getting more people pushed down to him.
0: That's true. That's so true. yeah, it, so he, he might have better value there to to take from there. I just I just
2: it would be hard for me to see unless he just thinks that. If he Bowers, like loves it, the it is, yeah. is that next guy giving up to whatever it would take to move up four or five spots, but, I don't know.
0: Say, because honestly, as I've joked many times in the podcast when we talked about the draft, I totally expect the Colts to just trade down and pick up a couple extra second-round picks because exactly. that that is what we have seen and, over the and, years.
2: And if more quarterbacks are taken and more players are pushed down, then the, the thought is well, we can slide mm-hmm. back yep. four or we'll five spots. We'll get better value if we yep. if we do that. But that that's why they're, they're in a good position. Uh, but, again, the bottom line, which, whatever they want to do, the more quarterbacks that go, the better. It just is. Mm-hmm.
1: Let's shift to the offensive line where I don't think we need to spend too much time because the the starting five should be pretty obvious from, from what we have. Bernard Ryman at left tackle. Quentin Nelson left guard. Ryan Kelly at center. Will Fry's right guard. Braden Smith right tackle. Those are your starters. Those are pretty much etched in stone. They're all under contract to come back next season. And uh, Ryan Kelly says that he is coming back, which was uh, – uh, a point of contention, uh, perhaps, that seemed to
0: confuse uh, Mr. Kelly Mr. himself. Kelly, indeed, he was like, "What, what are you guys <laughs> who, talking about?" Who, who
1: said that? Well, it's out, you know, it's it, out it's there. Out there, you need to check your sources. Well, those sources were—they were—they were legitimate sources. Right. Uh, there were people uh, with with some knowledge of something, but but apparently, Ryan Kelly still has some interest. And, and at some point, though, they need to be considering mm-hmm. playing B at center. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh,
2: because do yeah. so he play eight or nine years? And at some point, enough is going to be enough. Mm-hmm. So, but but they're not in that position for the first time in a while to where you don't have... I, I saw one mock draft had the Colts taking an, an offensive
1: tackle. Was it the Penn State guy? Uh, there are some really good tackles know, in this draft. I know, that's the, I know, so that's I know. Wh- I understand why they have the Colts taking it in that sense. But again, the the only way, the only way I can imagine the Colts taking a tackle in this draft is if they move Braden Smith to guard. Because like, he was a guard coming out of college. And I know they made him a tackle, and it was, uh, it was Gooch. Who uh who said like he this guy's a tackle. It was Chris Boward who thought he was a guard. But uh Coach Googe Dave Gugliamo uh said, No, he's a tackle. And he was and he's turned into a great tackle. Mm-hmm. And I think he was the Colts' best offensive lineman this year when he was in there and when he was healthy. Like, I don't think they will do this. Let you don't just want say to pay that. a guard seventeen million. Exactly. But you're gonna be
2: paying your tackle on a rookie Not as contract.
1: Much. Exactly. So the, the Colts would definitely have the two most expensive guards of all time with Quentin Nelson and Braden Smith if they do this. It Got would about, not about be... Strong up the middle. Exactly. About $40 million. Yeah, it, it would not be the way that you typically want to build a football team. But but that's the like, if they really love one of these guards...
0: It sounds like the I know. perfect
1: roster construction for the Colts. I know. It does. It sounds like something Chris Bowen would do. That's the thing. That's why I'm laughing at it. That's why I bring it up. Because there are a lot of good offensive tackles in this draft, which we can talk about all and of And they're them hard to get. And they are. They're they very are hard to get, to get Hard,
2: it, it, yeah.
1: But again, like I don't know if Braden Smith would be happy to move inside to guard because again, you'd rather have the tackle money mm-hmm. when you're working on your future contract. But he's got the tackle money. So he does, got he it. has it now, but but that next contract may not. On the next too. contract, exactly.
2: Yeah. So, but but I, but there in in let's say nothing changes with this these, this personnel group. They're in pretty good shape.
1: They are. I really think they are. And you, you have a lot more confidence now in Bernard Ryman than you had at the start of the year. He seems like a legitimate left tackle uh, in the NFL. I
2: think he had one bad game. Was it the Saints? No, it was Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Every, uh, Everybody
0: uh, yeah. has one bad, Everybody bad game. Everybody had a bad yeah. game. Yeah. Yes. But, but
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, again, I, I thought, and we've talked about I think one of the biggest things to come out of this season was you can say, okay, he he's our left tackle. Mm-hmm. And we will not yes. worry about paying him
1: left tackle money and – Next year, yeah. exactly, because yep. next year, this will be his third year coming up. So we do and for an extension. Yes, exactly. He'll do for an extension next year. And that's I, typically- I guess it'll
0: it'll go to show if we think that the Bernard's the 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 guy. If the Colts think he's the guy, that that may
1: be a little bit of a tip off in the in the draft.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a good point.
1: Yep. So uh, so that's your starting five. Beyond that, Blake Freeland had a rookie year where I thought he was very respectable because he, he was definitely thrown into the fire a couple times. Uh, Miles Garrett. Exactly. That, Aaron they, Donald. Did,
2: they did to him what they did to Bernie the, last year. Yeah, in the previous year.
1: Beyond throwing into the fire, maybe throwing him into a volcano. <laughs> that, that's what they Jeez. did, yeah, with, uh, with Blake Freeland going up against Miles Garrett. But like, in spite of that, you, still, like, you, you look at rookie year, and you're like, okay, you performed better than expected. But now in year two, if he ever comes back in, you want him to be better. Like You obviously right. want him to take the next step. You want him to develop. And so, so seeing his first year was encouraging in terms of his baseline play – um, and he was one of the most athletic tackles in this la- in last year's draft, as was uh, Jake Witt, the other guy they drafted, who ended up on Which, injured reserve. Yeah, that
2: was a preseason, was it? It was. was. Yes, yep, it was, yep. uh,
1: it was uh, a training camp injury, I'm pretty sure, because I don't even think we ever saw him in a preseason game. Nope. Um, yeah, I
0: think it happened in, in early August
1: or yeah, something along some those lines. Seventh-round pick out of a small school. And if we all remember, if you f- fire your uh, engines up in the rewind, uh, going back to uh, one of our podcasts that we did pre-draft, I had him in my <laughs> mock draft for the Colts just because I looked and I saw who the most athletic tackles were and he was one of them and knowing Chris Ballard mm-hmm. I had him as a seventh round pick again and that's where loves the metrics, seventh round darn right know. he does so and we'll, we'll talk about that of course in the in the coming weeks before this year's NFL draft um, Wesley French uh, filled in at center when Ryan Kelly was out did pretty well so maybe he's a guy that you consider at center in the f- in the future if Ryan Kelly indeed decides to step away eventually uh, Jack Anderson another center Arlington Hambright Louis Kidd Danny Pinter Josh Sills all at guard um I,
2: I think Danny Pinner would be your center of the future. Center he was a really good center
1: in
0: 2021.
2: Mm-hmm. Was, they were like 3 0 or 4 0 with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, center when,
0: not, not, not quite as uh, strong guard. You know, right. And, and he
2: him. had the, was it a broken ankle, broken foot? Early, early. Yes. It was uh, something, pre- either a foot or pre- pre- a Preseason or, or whatever. What yeah. I think it was a broken ankle. Foot, foot, broken ankle. So, yeah. And, and the one thing I remember what struck me about Blake Freeland is. It, at some point, it was mentioned well he needs to get stronger, which were similar things that people said about Ryman as a rookie. Remember we when we talked mm-hmm. to Bernie in, in OTAs, he told us he put on like fifteen or twenty pounds. Right, and that's what you that's what you do right. when you get into the NFL and you've got people who focus on that. You got nutrition guys that uh, have and just I tell you, retired.
1: You need another good you, one.
2: You, you walk past past Blake Freeland in the locker room. And he's a big man mm-hmm. among big men. Yep. So if you put some, uh, you know, 10, 15 pounds on him and add muscle, I, I think the most important thing about Blake Freeland is he was still standing at the end of the season because he could have really the deer in headlights, and he didn't. You know, he had his troubles and, and all that, but he's only going to get better. As again, I, I I compare it to to Ryman as a rookie. Yeah. He he was rough, and you had no mm-hmm. idea mm-hmm. coming out of his first year what he was going to be. Mm-hmm. And so if they can get even 50% of that development from year one to year two from Freeland, they've got it at worst a solid swing tackle.
1: The Colts had a, the third-best offensive line in of the NFL per pro, pro, pro football focus this year. And that is a far cry from their 18th position at the end of the 2022 Which, uh, season. Which honestly
0: seems generous, but it they did, they did have a good... 18th or the third? Uh, right. Well, a little <laughs> well bit yeah, either way. But, I, I mean, th- that line was so bad last year. Although, I do know that after Saturday came, that line did play a little bit better toward the end of the year. But that first part of the season was so bad. Well, they bad. played well
2: until they... Let Nick Foles, you know, writhe on
1: the ground. Yes.
2: Yeah. Against the Giants, yeah. but well, that's what
1: we digress. Right. So the Colts uh, allowed 41 sacks this past year in 2023. They allowed 60 back I was there. Surprised in Surprised it was 41.
2: I'd forgotten that they'd given up that many sacks. Yeah.
1: Well, there were, there were some games where like there there were some like it was it was more they came in bunches. Right. I think it wasn't just consistently. Yeah. It, it wasn't. It didn't feel like it was a, a line that consistently gave up
0: right. a lot of no. pressure all the time. But then there there were some. There were some moments here and there.
2: I'm not, and I wonder how many of those, when, when the coaches look at it, was on the quarterback.
0: Yeah. It yeah, was yeah. on
2: Minshew from, point. you
0: know, maybe sw- not getting rid of the ball. Or, run, or, running into pressure yeah. or, or yeah. whatever. Because we, we had a few of those, uh, I'm going to be, you know, in, in the pocket, and then, oh, I'm going to run right into the other team. Right. So that happened a few times.
1: For the rest of our talk here today on the Colts Blue Zone podcast, we'll focus on the secondary. 16 players currently on the roster right now. There's a lot of young talent, um, no doubt about it. Um, so I think I think this is one of the more intriguing um Aspects of the Colts offseason is what they do in the secondary chat because there are some ways you I think you can easily argue to um, what what I brought up earlier uh, about the defensive line a couple years ago. Like you you don't want to bring in veterans that will stunt the growth take take reps away from the young guys of the young guys exactly. But you saw at times last year what having young guys meant to your secondary um, the Colts last year was 17th in yards allowed per game. They were 21st in yards per completion, now allowing 10.4 yards per catch. And those were both uh, pretty dramatic uh, drops from 2022 in the secondary. So they were 17th in yards allowed per game last year. They were all the way up in 11th uh, in 2022. Stephon Gilmore. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They were 21st in huge yards difference. per completion last year. They were 10th in yards per completion two years ago. You're right. Stefan Gilmore, huge boots to that secondary. Maybe Dallas Flowers helps in that aspect. But again, he was an undrafted rookie two years ago. So you can't, you can't say like, oh, this guy was just injured. We hope to slot him back in because we thought he was going to be one of our starters. And so he can be that again. You can't just say, hey, Juju Brents, he was a second round pick. We have high hope for this guy. We want him to be a starter in the long term. So so let's just, just lock him in there and, and not do anything for competition. I think that's that's what you have to do. Uh, if, if you ask me right now, as you look at the, the list of cornerbacks, whether it's Dallas Flowers, da- um, Juju Brents, uh, Jalen Jones, Jones. Daryl Baker Jr. Kind of your top four outside corners right now. Are you, are you completely comfortable going into the season with that group? Do you want to bring in a veteran presence, a veteran guy who's been around for a while to be able to challenge those young guys and maybe be your second starter alongside one of them? Maybe be, um, yeah, maybe be your first starter if you if you really want to provide someone as like a uh, a. A bullseye to hit, even rather than a fellow competitor to, to push alongside. I really do think this is this is a a position where Chris Ballard could 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 go either way. I think that I have an opinion which one I would rather have him do, but uh, at the same time, that, that's why I think that it, it'll be uh, apt for us chap to to take a look at some some cornerbacks as we get into the offseason and free agency and 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 the draft coming up this year.
2: And again, it's apparently a deep draft for, for for corners. I've seen a couple of mock drafts that have the Colts taking corner a corner at fifteen, and I think what's gonna I would prefer to have have them bring in a veteran guy, and I'm not saying a guy that's 33, but a guy that's 28, 29, as opposed to going at, at 15 and you're adding him to to Brent's and in uh, Jones, which you're already young there. And what did they what did they come out of the season? Their assessment of, of Juju Brents? He missed so much time. He 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 basically played without practicing. He he really did. He missed all the prep work. And Jalen Jones, what was he a seventh round pick? Yep. He probably played like a seventh round pick. But do you think that he can be a two, or is he is he a three? And if you add a, a another young corner, then then your top three potentially corners are rookies or second year guys, and then. Daryl Baker and, and and Dallas Flowers are great stories, but again, we talked about this going into the season. They were banking on these guys just on on blind faith. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they've got to add. They've got to add a top outside guy. I would prefer it be a Stefan Gilmore type guy, which the, I don't know if they're going to pay. What would it take? Fifteen million? I, was I don't going know. To
1: say between twelve and twelve and fourteen yeah, probably. Uh, for if you so get so I would year. rather
2: that as opposed to adding. It, I, I sort of feel like this with like at receiver, you've got Alec Pierce, you got Josh Downs. If you've already got Brinson. and you got Jones, you want to add another young guy to develop. Although if you take a guy at fifteen, you, you, you believe he's not gonna need a so he's, ton he's of going to right. start. Yeah, right. yeah. So it, it'll be interesting. Uh and we haven't mentioned Kenny Moore.
0: Who, who is gonna be a free agent? I, who's gonna be a free agent? No, he is a free agent so
2: yeah. so. In my list of free agents, he's probably third, fourth, maybe of most important behind Pittman and Grover, uh, Kenny Moore. So uh, and Minshew, I don't know, but but yeah, they, they've got a they they took they they took a calculated risk of going young at corner last year. They did. I mean, when when with all the the, the injuries and and let's not forget they lose Isaiah Rodgers in. June whenever yeah. that was and we always wonder well why didn't you bring in a veteran guy well no they were going to go young right and we saw the results how many times did did were guys looking around mm-hmm. oh, I thought you had him no mm-hmm. oh, I thought you had him well that's what that's what you get I mean as much as you you drill really, it and at one point remember when I can't remember who the player was it was Tony Brown when we asked Gus uh, why did you guys start Tony Brown well we sort of knew what the other guys could do. We wanted to see what Tony can do. Well, that's not what. That's no way to to decide who your co- starting corner is. Right. But that's where they were. But but they decided to go that route. They paid the price by a large extent. I would really like to know how they feel internally about the two draft picks from last year. Mm-hmm. And are they? Hey, they're they're two of our guys. Two of our top four guys at worst. Uh, that will determine what they do in the draft. Yeah,
0: I, I feel like they really like Jalen Jones mostly because he was durable, and, and I, I know that uh, that was a, a big issue with the unit uh, this past year, uh, but also he kind of fell off a little bit there toward the end of the season. I think
2: he wore down. Wore yeah. down.
0: I mean, rookie, rookie wall's is a, a real thing for a lot of these guys sometimes. And, um, and and the Brents, like you said, just it's hard to say because we, we saw some – when he came in, you'd see him. He usually would make a splash play, but then it's back on the sidelines
1: and out for three games. Mm-hmm. So it's hard I, to say. I, I like how physical he is. I, I do really too. do. I do like, too. He, he grew up here in Indianapolis idolizing Bob Sanders. Like, if you're a Colts fan, you want that guy that. on your team. You love to have him in your secondary. But he also needs to be healthy, of yeah. course. Like, you, you – if you have a repeat of Bob again you you'd love that but but you want you want the guy to play you, yes. you need him to be it's in got, there got to be in the lineup you, otherwise it doesn't do you much good Exactly he needs to be on the field so um so so in in some aspects I think that last year was that year where uh they like they didn't go out and get the veteran and they saw what they had Now they see what they've had and it's probably wise to get a veteran on the outside there. I think Kenny Moore will certainly be interesting because very similar to to Michael Pittman, if, if he's not there, then who? Because the slot Correct. corner is a different position yes. Yes, than outside is. corner. It is entirely different. You cannot just say, oh, they're, they're cornerbacks. They're, they're I mean, they go through the same drills pregame. But what they are asked to do in the middle of the game is, is not the same. So it, do the Colts think that one of those guys – whether it's Dallas Flowers, Jalen Jones, Juju Brents, is a long-term nickel cornerback and they can let Kenny Moore go? I don't know. That would be interesting to ask uh, that question uh, to them as well. well. We, may, we may find out by their actions. Exactly. And, yeah, it, it, if they don't re-sign Kenny, exactly. And that, Kenny's that becomes, coming off a
2: really, really good year. Yeah, he,
1: he figured it out this year he did. After, after a really he, well, lost year last year. he figured
2: year. it out or they figured out well, how it yeah. out. Well, yes. They came together because it, it, two years ago they, they weren't, in unison on how they were going to do things. But, uh, and we'll know in the next couple of weeks what, what they feel they're going to, all these free agents they got, they're going to get these guys, the ones they want, Mm -hmm. they'll get something done as opposed to letting a guy come go go to the open market and say, you know, give us a
1: chance to match. And now safeties that we talk cornerbacks safeties. I mean, it's, it's a whole nother thing. And it's, it's in some aspects, very similar with some young guys like Nick cross and, uh, and Rodney Thomas, uh, who have been in there as starters and have had some playing time. and then Julian Blackman as your as your free agent, who who's the guy who certainly has the most experience among of Achilles. Group. What was it? Uh, no, I don't think it was an Achilles because he he had Achilles before. Um, Maybe it was in knee then, you know, it was w- but but it's end of the season, right? And it, it and he was having a very good oh, year. Oh, he was having a great year. He was having the best year of his career here, and that's, he had a great time to have the best year of his career in a contract year in the fourth year of his rookie deal. So he's probably going to get paid somewhere by someone, um, whether it's a one-year deal. If this injury was all that significant, I don't think it was as significant as, as an Achilles, though. I think it was just I, something. I think that, you're right. It, Achilles. It, they've had so many Achilles, it just sort of yeah, jumps exactly. into somebody default mode. Yeah, it just knocked him out for the last couple games of the season, whatever it was. Right. Shoulder injury. I guess I had forgotten that. Yeah. Yeah. So so Blackman ended up on injured reserve with that shoulder injury. That that sounds that sounds far better to have than than a lower body injury for for a safety. So so I have a figure I figure that he'll get a deal somewhere. He's he's one of my top four guys to resign. He yep. was he was another one. He need to, need to resign him. So the Colts need to figure out what they're doing at safety. Like who are they gonna, gonna be their two guys? Because Chris Ballard traded up to draft Nick Cross a couple years ago, which he does not often do. But Nick Cross was just twenty one years old, I believe, or even twenty when they drafted him. I think he was, 21. He was twenty
0: one. I, I thought he was twenty one last. Last
1: year. Okay, maybe he was only twenty when they drafted. I thought him.
0: he turned twenty-one after he got drafted. Okay,
1: okay. Yeah. so so there you go. He was, and, and Chris said even after that year, well, maybe it was unfair to put uh, the the expectations on him uh, that that we did. Um, so so is now Nick, Nick Cross's opportunity? Is he asked, to do you throw him in there uh, alongside Julian Blackman and say those are your two guys? Because it seemed like they really pivoted away from Rodney Thomas, Chap, at the end of the year. He got the starts as his rookie year. He, he played was, his way. He was a great story as a seventh-round pick out of Yale. He did. He played. He was the best player that they had. He beat out Nick Cross for that spot. But it seemed like in the second half of 2023, they seemed to go away from Rodney Thomas. Right,
2: and, and again, when you look at positions in need, in my mind it's receiver it's corner it's probably safety and tight end so uh and again they've they've got seven picks unless they start doing what chris ballard always does always does and they'll come out of the draft with 10 picks so they've got a lot of areas not crying needs really i mean they're important needs but not like boy if we don't come up with a left tackle what do we got right but so they and they, and again they've got sixty seven million dollars in cap space to to do things.
1: Other safeties on the roster include Henry Black, Kendall Brooks, Marcel Dabo, Trevor Denbo, who's a, a special teams guy. Daniel Scott, who was on injured reserve, a draft pick, a fifth round pick, I believe, maybe sixth round, maybe sixth round pick, um, out of oh shoot, I forget who he played for. Was, it was he out of Cal? Yeah, yeah, you're right, out of Cal. Um, who they drafted? Anticipating he would be another special teams guy as well, and uh, Michael Tootsie. Uh, all safeties there. All other guys that you don't anticipate to be in starting uh, starting um, consideration. So I think Dabu, isn't he one of the international? He was. Players? Yes, he I was. think you only get one year with well, him. Yeah. And I so, think so this year he was just on the practice squad because that was two years ago that he was your international yeah. exception. So you could kind of develop him there. And this year they kept him on the practice squad. So some some very interesting choices I think in the secondary about but. What what's going to happen this this off season. Prime consideration, I think, for for bringing in a veteran in, in one or both of those areas, cornerback or, or safety. Maybe if there's one area, I would say, hey, it's, it's going to be a veteran you bring in. Whether you look at everywhere, like right, wide receiver, right, even quarterback, I could I could see Chris Ballard saying, we we've seen. Sam Ellinger in the past, he's our number two. I don't think they go that way again. But um, but to bring in someone – or to bring back Gardner Minshew, uh, to, to actually go outside of the guys you have in your building now in free agency, I think secondary is probably the prime target out of, out of every position, if that makes sense to you guys.
2: It's great to have young talent, but you can have too much young talent. So adding more you know, through the draft, yes, of course. But there are some spots you just you just need a veteran guy, and Kenny Moore is a veteran
1: guy, but but he's, he's ta- kind ta- of on an island. It. We're
2: talking outside guys, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. He's kind of
1: on an island in, right. in, in what he does in that. I just secondary. think they
2: resigned Kenny. I just think right. Chris uh, Bower loves Kenny Moore. Well, and for and he a lot, of, says many and a lot times. of these guys, their value is more with the Colts than it is elsewhere. Now, Grover Stewart, I think he's got value elsewhere. He's got value everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and so does Pittman, although he'll never find he'll, it'll be a year or two before you'll ever find that out. But <laughs> Kenny Moore might be a guy. Better be. <laughs> he might be a guy that's got more value here, and fans should not expect players to give hometown discounts, and no.
1: players should not give hometown discounts. Right. The, the only thing I can imagine with Kenny is if if the Bears come after him and he will goes to play with Eberflus, but at the same time, Eberflus isn't exactly on steady footing out there in, in Chicago. So does he go there like betting on his, his job there being consistent? In Chicago um that, that that's that's a tough choice I think if if that if that becomes a choice for him um so but you're right he he definitely has his role here and he knows it and uh and Chris Boward loves him uh it took him a while to to fall in love with him uh having to be uh basically beaten down uh to, to okay, sign him okay sign fine, the kid. fine I'll <laughs> sign the guy out of Valdosta State uh out, off the Patriots practice squad or out off of their cuts rather um, to to their roster uh, so many years ago, but but anyway, plenty to come uh, over the next couple of weeks. February twentieth, uh, so Tuesday of next week is the first day clubs can designate franchise tag or transition tags for players. Sometime over those next fourteen days, you'd imagine either Michael Pittman Jr. signs an extension with the Colts or he is tagged with the franchise tag. Normally,
2: the tag comes and then the extension, mm-hmm. comes. right? Yes, because you want to make
0: sure to lock your guy down.
1: You and know? one thing I had sort of
2: forgotten because I'm I, I'm forgetful, but even in franchising in him, he can still go out and get an offer. He can, he can, he can. As long as it's not the exclusive franchise tag, the guy can go out and get an offer and come back. And if the Colts decide to would match, you get two first round draft picks, which no team's going to do.
1: Right, you're not going to trade two first round draft picks for for Michael Pittman Jr. He's a pretty good player. He's, he's not he's not franchise-altering in, in that way right. to trade two first-round picks. February 29th to March 3rd, the NFL and combine will be back in Indianapolis. March 11th is the first day that unrestricted free agency negotiations can begin. Then on March 13th, 4 p.m., the big time, the new year starts. Teams can sign those unrestricted free agents. April 15th, Colts OTAs could begin at that date. Draft is set for April 25th in Detroit through the 27th. Culture locked into the fifteenth overall pick for now until they trade it for until yeah, they trade it down for for twenty seven uh, other three, picks, uh, three 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 two second ways. round picks and a
2: third round pick, and right. end up with fourteen. At least we're not the NBA where they you trade and they're oh trading my, like
1: 20,
0: oh my
2: gosh. twenty
1: twenty nine second round oh draft picks and I mean, they, and they still come out and they wear the hat of the team that I, drafted them uh, like so like the, weird. The, the Pacers drafted like did not draft Jerris J- Walker Fix and they got some other guy I don't even know remember what his name is and he still comes out yeah exactly. May second is the deadline to exercise the fifth fifth year option. Option on first-round picks, and that for the Colts would be quid pay, wherever the Colts decide to extend What's that him, date, to that, May second, May second, yes, is that day. So that's that's kind of in the future uh, a little bit, but I'm sure that they've probably had some discussions about that already, and they have a good idea, I'd imagine, Chris Ballard about what he wants to do. I
2: think the fifth-year option for these guys that is, is, is like expensive for defensive ends. Four, Fourteen million, ends. really? That's, I thought it was higher yeah, than that. I didn't know it went by position. I thought it went by. Where you were drafted, I I need to get boned up on that before the time okay, comes. Okay, I
1: thought it was. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll we'll look into that and get into that next week because hey, we talked about that for in for the today. future podcast exactly. In a Colts <laughs> Blue Zone podcast in the future. Yes, uh, uh, we'll we'll certainly do that. Um, so uh, we have plenty more positions to get to uh, for the Colts in the future: defensive line, linebackers, um, the special teams, which probably won't be too d- dramatic of a discussion, but uh, but there might be some things to to tweak right right here and Riggo. there. Exactly. Uh, that that's probably the the big one there. Uh, but that's in the future. For now, uh, for and Chap, I'm Dave. We appreciate you listening. We'll see you next week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast.